Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm chatting with Shauna Game, an author, entrepreneur, certified financial planner, and host of the Everyone's Talking Money podcast. Shauna is a millennial money expert known for her expertise on money trauma, where she helps women to recognize unhealthy patterns and create new ones to find peace with their finances. Shauna is so down to earth and relatable, and this conversation is just like talking with a good friend about the things that really matter to us. We are so aligned in our missions, and I just love how she aims to help women feel good wherever they're at with their money. She is so kind in her approach to eliminating the stigma and shame that are so often associated with money in our culture. I'm just so excited to share this episode with you guys. But before we get into it, here's a little bit more about Shauna. Shauna Game is an award-winning mindful money expert, host of the Everyone's Talking Money podcast, certified financial planner with an MBA, entrepreneur, educator, and certified trauma of money expert. Shauna waved goodbye to the old traditional financial planning model and turned her focus on helping everyone unfuck their relationship with money through her podcast, Everyone's Talking Money. Everyone's Talking Money podcast, formerly the Millennial Money podcast, was named a top four money podcast by the New York Times and has been downloaded 25 million plus times in over 167 countries. The show is Personal Finance Meets Money Therapy, a healthy place for both your wallet and your mental health. Shauna has spent over 10 years teaching financial literacy at California State University, Northridge. She's spoken on stages to thousands, sharing her money expertise, and sat elbow to elbow with hundreds of individuals, guiding them towards their money goals. She's a mental health advocate and openly shares her mental health struggles with her listeners. Shauna became permanently deaf in her left ear in 2018 and is often referred to as the Beethoven of the podcast world. In her free time, Shauna's been known to make a mean risotto, spends way too much time researching travel destinations, and can be seen all around Asheville, North Carolina with her service pup, Winnie. In our conversation today, Shauna and I talk about Shauna's personal money story and how she's learned to be more intentional and conscious with her own relationship with money. We talk about shame and the power of gratitude work to combat that shame and, and move towards healing. We talk about why we need to practice being uncomfortable, and so much more. You guys can find uh, Shauna um, at her website, everyonestalkingmoney.com. You can also check out the podcast, Everyone's Talking Money. You can get that anywhere you get your podcast. She has over a 1,000 episodes, so <laughs> go find one that, that you relate to. They're all awesome. Um, she's also out there on Facebook and Instagram um, at Shauna Game, and that's S-H-A-N-N-A-H. And if you guys want to hear more from me, go check out my Mindful Money Mamas Facebook group where I'm providing lots of love and tips and tricks on how we can create a healthy relationship with money. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the delightful Shauna Game. Enjoy. 
Hi, Shauna. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm excited. Me too. So we have a lot in common. We're both certified financial planners. We both host podcasts. And um, more importantly, we're both just driven by empowering people to have a healthy relationship around their money. This is going to be an amazing conversation. So let's kick it off. I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I always tell everybody that I think I came out of the the birth shoot as an entrepreneur and and just always been a person who has ideas and always trying something. So that feels very much like a part of who I am. Uh, when I went to college, I started what was at the time the first national student film festival and ran that for five years and then ended up selling it to a Hollywood producer. So I had all of these kind of like weird mixed bag of skills. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. what do I do? What do I do with this now? And I I went and got an MBA in entrepreneurship. And at the time, my dad had been in the financial industry his whole career and he had started um, his own financial planning firm. And he was like, I'm kind of bored. Do you want to just come and, and work with me? So I was like, all right, sure. So you know, on day one, we were working with clients, you know, like $100 million in assets and, you know, really learning things that would take you years to learn. And um, I started to see, though, that my my MBA peers, my friends, just people in general, didn't really know anything about personal finance. And, um, you know, early, early on, way back then, I mean, I look back at some of the blog posts and some of the notes and things that I've written when I was just starting in in this field. And I was very interested in, you know, mindset and relationship with money and what motivated people to be able to like overcome a hurdle or achieve a goal, what stopped them. And I didn't have the vocabulary for it, but I knew that it was it was something. And so um, I actually taught for 10 years at a university here in Los Angeles. I taught financial literacy and I taught them very much what I would have wanted to know back in college and mm -hmm. taught them from a very sort of behavioral therapeutic side of money. And it was great because a lot of the students were first generation and they were able to go home and teach their parents and their family about money. Uh, but it was actually in one of those classes in 2015 when my student was like, you need a podcast. Hmm. And I was like, a podcast? How do I do that? So that was a Friday. And I went home and bought a mic and on Monday released the first episode. Wow. And um, yes, that's, you know, almost nine years later, I just had no idea the journey that, you know, my show originally it was called Millennial Money. We switched the name a couple of years ago to Everyone's Talking Money. I had no idea the journey that it would it would take me on and the love that I would have for talking into a mic and, you know, talking to all sorts of different people about money. So, you know, we've done well over a thousand episodes and had 25 million downloads and it just it's just crazy, but I just absolutely love it. Oh my gosh, 25 million downloads. That's so impressive. I mean, that's <laughs> incredible. Did you ever think that you would get there? I didn't, but you know, I also sense a child with this entrepreneurial kind of spirit. I've always somewhat known that I was supposed to speak on stages and I didn't understand what that meant. And a lot of times I played very small and I kind of put myself in, in the back corner and it took me a while to really step into the confidence of, no, I think this is this is who I was supposed to be. I didn't think I would be talking on a podcast about money. <laughs> yeah. I always thought I would have like a great 
um, film producing career or be an actress or a singer or like, you know, something kind of big like that. But um, when I fell into podcasting and it started to get traction, I was like, okay, I think this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, I think I'm still supposed to do way more than I'm doing now, but, you know, step by step, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The universe kind of tells you, I feel like as you start something, you get this little like inkling, right? Oh, this is something I can do. And then you keep going and then you keep getting those feelings. And then you're like, wait a minute. I didn't like this doesn't feel good, but this feels good. And then you kind of take that path. Right. And it's so it's it's really cool to kind of follow that, follow the gut, follow the the, you know, what what your heart's telling you. Right. Why millennials? Why did you choose to talk specifically to them? Yeah, really interesting. So I am right on the gap of Gen X and millennial depends on kind of what survey you're you're reading. Um, I probably you a little bit more on the Gen X side than the millennial, but right in that middle zone. And I'd written an article about, um, I think it was 10 money tips in your 20s or something. This was before I launched the podcast and it actually went viral. And so I thought, hmm, all right, well, there's something interesting about, you know, the generation just slightly younger than me. And so, you know, when I started the podcast in 2015, it wasn't podcasting was not what it is now. And it was fairly easy to pick a name. And I just thought, you know, my brown branding background and marketing background, I thought, let me pick something that's easy to understand. And that I think is really going to hit a generation that's probably going to be listening to podcasts. So you know, picked millennial money. And then of course, as I grow over the years, I thought, okay, this is, I want to be a little bit wider than this. So it was quite scary to change the name of a show specifically after so much just press and exposure over the podcast. But, you know, the new name, everyone's talking money to me really embodies like, you know, I do, I really want to have inclusive conversations and talk to all different types of people and not just be segmented by, you know, specific age. Plus, I feel like you. This is your journey too, right? So as you're growing and you're you know getting to a different stage yourself, right, of life, it's the things that are important to you are kind of shifting, right? So you've been there and you can provide the guidance and advice for kind of the the people who are in that generation now, the like you know the millennials and the 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 younger kids. But yet you're also going through what you're going through right now. So you can be able to provide that kind of come with me experience as you're doing it. Yeah. I And I like that a lot. And I always say, you know, I can be like the big sister to the younger generations yeah. and I can still offer guidance. You know, we have listeners in you know, their 50s and 60s that listen religiously to the show. So even when it was millennial money. I like to position it as millennial was more of a way of thinking, of thinking outside of the box and looking at things differently and not feeling like you had to play by the quote unquote money rules. So even when we were millennial, I was still, you know, under this umbrella of that, you know, money and your relationship with money. Um, You know, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You can, you can play by your own rules and you can really make life your own. And I think, you know, I, I've really become, really interested in this word of authenticity and what does that mean? And, Mm. you know, I I don't believe that we can all just authentically show up as ourselves every day because I don't think life is prepared for all of us being like a thousand percent authentically us, but we can be as close to that version as possible and, and honoring ourselves and that journey of really figuring out who you are and, 
you know, what role do you want money to play? And what yeah. do you want your life to look like? And can you put blinders on and not care what anybody else is doing or whatever money rules or beliefs they have, like that's theirs. Can you work on your own? And I feel like if, if somehow we could do that more as a society, maybe we could lower the stress and panic and fear around money and really have people feeling more empowered. Yeah. And I, I, thousand percent agree. I mean, I'm like clapping over here. (laughs) Um, You said it so beautifully. And I think that um, so much of that is, is, as I like to talk about on my show is kind of that quieting of the self and slowing down, hopping off the treadmill, as I say, because we're just living these kind of constant chaotic lives, like we're on this hamster wheel. And, and so hopping off of that, slowing down, tuning in, starting to have self-awareness, starting to understand like, what are our, uh, what are our values? What are our beliefs? Where do we want to go? Like, who are we now and who do we want to be? And I think so many of those, so, so often those things are overlooked. Um, and we just kind of, you know, do what we're supposed to be doing and go through the day, but we don't actually think about the the intentionality of where we're going and what we're doing. I'd love to hear your money story. So what what are some of some of the you know the the beliefs and the the experiences that you've had as a kid that you've had to work through that kind of shapes who you are now? I've had a lot of them. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and this is probably why I do this work because um I grew up in a family where I I didn't have to worry about money. I was very fortunate. Uh, I don't even remember money really being a conversation topic. My parents, at least to my knowledge, never fought about money, but there was this undercurrent. So we would go on like family vacations and we'd have a great time. But when we were coming back, you know, my dad would go over like the itemized expense list of everything that was spent. And, you know, you spent $12 on a grilled cheese and you guys spend $20 on tanning lotion or whatever it might be. And so there was always this air of, we can't enjoy anything. We can't just go and enjoy an an experience no matter what it costs. And, you know, my parents still to this day, they're in their early eighties and everything is like, oh, that was so expensive. Or, or they'll have a meal out and be like, oh, did you see how much we paid for the, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I inherited that. So I really have to fight when I go and spend money to, say, no, this is something that I I enjoyed this experience. It was a conscious choice to spend money on this. And, you know, I'm not going to have any of those, um, you know, any of those beliefs kind of bubble up that either I wasn't worthy of it or it was a bad to spend that kind of money. So I've really had to do a lot of work on that. And it's been tough. And I think a lot of people share some elements of that, of that story that, it's 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 hard to spend money and it's hard to spend money without the shame or the fear or, or you know guilt like should i be spending on money in this yeah. you know maybe somebody in my family or a friend couldn't do this experience like sh- am i a bad person for this there's so much just inner dialogue <laughs> that mm-hmm. goes on that is just it's exhausting it's mentally physically emotionally exhausting and um you know i also went through a really terrible divorce, very early thirties. And, um, I had to give up everything financially and I was a financial planner at the time. And I thought people are going to think I am the worst financial planner ever Mm, because I literally had gave up my house, gave up. All I had to my name was a expensive car that I still had a 
a very expensive payment on and a blue suitcase that had whatever clothes I could scrunch in them. And I went, I moved back in with my parents and um, my my ex-husband just, I knew he would use money as, as the really like the weapon against me. And that's what it was. And it just, it broke me um, financially. It broke me mentally. And I had to do a lot of work around self-confidence and around saying, no, I am exactly the right person to give money advice. I'm exactly the right person to talk to women or different people who've gone through this experience because life isn't just you know, textbook. It's not just cut and dry. Things don't just always go on an upward slant. I mean, curveballs come in right and left and you sometimes have to make tough money decisions and all of your choices are bad (laughs) and you have to decide which one is less bad. And then how are you going to deal with that emotionally afterwards? So, you know, it's been, it's been a tough journey and then being an entrepreneur is, is tough in itself. Um, you'll have a great year and then you'll have a not great year. And, uh, you know, so there's just, for me, I feel like relationship with money and money story and money beliefs, all of this, I feel is like a daily practice Oh yeah. of being conscious. You use the word intentional. I love that word being intentional about, um, when you're in a situation that is stressful, what are you going to choose? How are you going to choose to be in that moment of time? And I, I always talk about giving a pause, you know, can we just pause between our thinking and, then ha- have space to make the choice. Am I going to freak out about it? Or is there a way I can move through this, even if it's uncomfortable and I'm fearful of this situation, but um, you know, I, I I can figure out a way through it. So um, yeah, it's just, you know, my own journey is really infused in what I do and this, this passion to help other people just not be so stressed out about money. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love everything you just said because it's so relatable. And there's a few things that, you know, points that I wanted to make from things that you just said. So, you know, the first thing I just wanted to mention is the last piece that you said around how do you want to being kind to yourself, essentially, and, you know, realizing that you, you know, you've been through it. And I wanted to mention, I had um, Dr. Kristen Neff on my show, who's like the the pioneer in self-compassion research. And she is incredible. And she always talks about the three components of self-compassion, which is mindfulness, kindness, and common humanity. And that has been, I think, the biggest piece on for me on my own money journey is incorporating or sprinkling in this self-compassion into the daily life because boy, do I beat myself up. I have I mean, we all know we're the our own harshest critics, but my God, I feel like I am like the meanest person to myself <laughs> that out of anybody else, right? So it's, and I know that we all are probably like that too, but it's so important to factor in, in the self-compassion. And the biggest piece of that is also the common humanity and knowing that you are not alone. And that was like, when I learned that, it was like a light bulb turned off in my head that like, okay, if I am going through this, somebody else is going through this too. And that relates, you know, talk about money trauma, right? I mean, what you were, you were essentially in, in that relationship, you know, the, you were being controlled by money and boy, does that feel very disempowering, right? And, and condescending and all of the above, right? So I, I just want to acknowledge, and I'm sure you did this through your own kind of inner work and healing around that, that you are not alone and that there are so many women out there who are in the same or similar situations or maybe very different situations, but very, but same kind of dynamic or theme, right? That, that 
is out there. And I think that is even brings even more power to the conversation into the to is is like acknowledging it and then also you know telling somebody hey being vulnerable to share and tell somebody hey i've been through this before too yeah and i think we've we've created this society that is so scarcity based and yes. you know money is this primal need so it feels so important and yeah. even all of the work that you do it's still sometimes i come back to I'm just like you, I'm surrounded by money all day. It's what I do for a profession. It's what I talk about. Yeah. And then I've got my own personal money journey. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to think about money. I know, but, same. You know, and then when I talk to a friend who's not, who doesn't do money for a living and she's like, well, I think about money all the time too. And I don't even have this as a profession. So I think because you know, we're, we're just always, we're constantly told that we're never, we're not enough. We're not going to have enough. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be enough money. You're going to run out. Something's going to happen. It, it's just, you're, you're in this chronic state of like fight or flight or freeze and you know, your body doesn't know what to do. So any disruption or any curveball that comes up, it just feels like the end of the world. And then yeah you know, we don't know who to talk to about it there because of the shame piece. We don't know how to process through these things. And so, yeah, I've, I've really had to work on the the kindness piece. And I do a lot of mindfulness exercises, which um, I think they sound very simplistic when you, when you talk to people about them, but they're very powerful and it's oh, all, yeah. it all comes back to just loving yourself and trying to lower that cortisol level and, you know, put yourself in a place where uh, it isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned shame. I feel like shame is just such a a topic that is not discussed enough because we all feel so shameful around it. Right. And, and so much shame. We live in a culture, right. Where women are, are told from a very, very young age that they're not good with money. I was actually just did an episode and somebody had asked me on another podcast, my thoughts on girl math. And I'm like, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on girl math, but, but I mean, what it's doing first and foremost is it's just continuing to tell this story to women that they need help or that they're not competent enough to, to be able to do this the right way, or they need to be able to justify their decisions. Right. And I think there's something to be said for that. I see in my work I've been doing, I've been in this industry and I've been doing this kind of work for 17, 18 years now. And we, one of the things that we ask our clients to do now is link their accounts. So at the firm that I'm at now, they link their, their checking accounts and their credit cards and all of that stuff so that we can track spending. How many times do you get asked the question, oh, are, are you going to judge? Are you going to judge what, where I'm That's spending exactly money on? That's exactly it. Yes. Everybody. It's like, Standing naked. It's standing. I was just going to say, yes. it's like being naked. It because yeah. people like th they think that they can, as if like we're going to say, oh no, you can't spend ten dollars on your Starbucks coffee or whatever it is. That's not it for us. It's about all about patterns, right? And figuring out what's sort of the trend here on, of monthly spend and what's the goal and how does the spending align with that goal, short term and long term, right? But it's so interesting how fearful people get when you start that conversation. And when you really start to like dig into the numbers, people like they get, it's, it's just, it isn't, it's not just one person it's universal. Everyone. And I feel like women in particular, they get so like, Oh my goodness. Well, I, 
uh, yeah, I spent whatever, $50 uh, to get my nails done or, and I shouldn't have done that because maybe that's a frivolous, frivolous purchase because culture tells us it's a frivolous purchase. But what I, I, my opinion is if it's, if it's important to you, cool, do it. I mean, there's plenty of other things that you probably spend money on that aren't important to you. So why don't you actually like be and you know, go back and go back to being intentional and think about what are those things that are kind of non-negotiables for you? So you can we can start to remove that guilt and more importantly, that shame. I agree a thousand percent. You know, and I I started to do a lot of gratitude work. Again, sounds very simplistic, but yeah. So, you know, spending money on, on the nails, you know, rather looking, rather than looking at it as, as a negative, somebody's going to judge me, you know, turning it around. Like, I'm so grateful that I have the money to go and have my nails done. And that makes me feel really good. And I feel really confident in in myself. And I feel like I look good or whatever it is. You just follow that sort of train of thought that is more positive based. And even, you know, so many people have a deep, deep shame around debt and, I understand that. I understand the pressure. And, you know, I try to teach people the gratitude approach to that. You know, maybe the debt allowed you to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe it was able to string together a few extra months between jobs. Maybe it put a roof over your head. It's not the best scenario you want to be in, understood. But if we're only focused on the shame or the negative side of it, we're just consistently reinforcing those money beliefs that it's bad and it's negative and you're a bad person and you you're never going to be good with money and so for me it's really about taking each moment and taking those those nasty voices in my head and doing everything I can to just swish them a little bit and yeah. be be grateful for having the money to spend on x y and z it might not be the wisest choice that's great that's another conversation but let me at least come to it from a place of of, you know, gratefulness. Yeah. I love that. There's, there's, it reminds me of this podcast on parenting, um, that I listened to and what the woman says is she's a, you know, parenting expert and has all this education on it and has kids herself and stuff. And she says, you know what, when it comes to the decisions that we make and the things that we do, you know, (laughs) all you can do is the best that you can at that time with, the information that you have and the circumstances that you have. And what that does for me is it just eliminates the shame. You are not a bad parent. You are not a bad person. If you yell at your kids or you lose it because whatever, they refuse to put on their socks in the morning and you can't get out the door and you've got a meeting and it's just, you know, your brain's swirling. You are not a bad person. And we're all, you know, again, we're all in this together. I think again, that's part of that, that self-compassion and that, and that gratitude piece. The, the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, the way I approach financial planning is um, it's totally – debt isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? I, I mean, agree. Yeah, high interest credit card may not be the best, right, because you're paying a lot of interest on it How and, and it impacts credit and all of that stuff. However, you're right. If it allows you to get to where you are, there's nothing wrong with that. It, all we can do is is move forward from here. Right. And so the, I think having the, um, the grace to let go of what happened in the past and act from where you are today in the present and, and going forward is all you can do. And you know what? I mean, 
I have a, I, I, we talk about, we live in a culture where everything is black and white and there's rules of thumb and there's all these, you know, like, like, I think I always think about it as sort of like male dominated, like guides, right. Or things that you should be doing. Right. And so one of those things is, uh, you should never have debt. You should, um, like, whatever there's there's all these like different rules you should have this amount in your in your savings or whatever it is i'm yeah. blanking on all of them at the moment but um but one of those is you know you shouldn't spend you this like old school mindset around you shouldn't have debt well i mean i have a client who wants to pay off her mortgage right now but her mortgage is actually at like she refinanced a couple years ago she's at two and a half percent and she could take that money and reinvest it i mean cash is earning almost five right now or basically five so i mean what's you don't necessarily need to do it and i just think the point is here is that i don't want to give financial advice by any means but but my point here is that there's other ways to think about things and it doesn't have to be all or nothing and black and white it's, it's, we also, we do need to start to challenge those messages uh, that we absorbed growing up um, or even in culture now. And that, yeah, they, that they still exist. They're still they out do. there. And I think that's why it's, it's even more important for women to listen to shows like yours, shows like mine, where it is women talking from this perspective and being transparent. And I am never going to say that I am you know, a perfect person when it comes to money. I'm on this journey just as everybody else is. But if I can offer someone some sort of peace or some sort of permission slip uh, to look at something differently or to not feel like they have to fall in those 10 steps or rules or whatever it might be, then, you know, I feel like I've, I've done a good, a good thing. And I think there needs to be more female voices out there with that approach that um, are taking more of I don't want to say a more female view, but are, are, you know, really talking about money from, from the perspective of, you know, we don't have to be the one checking all the boxes or hustling so hard or yes. Softer approach. It doesn't much softer. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I agree with that. And that's, that's exactly the way that I kind of structure my podcast and the things that I talk about. And because I grew up that way, I grew up with having this like black and white, all or nothing. It has to be this way, or there's something wrong with me kind of thing. And I am learning, I'm, I'm going to be 40 in a couple of months and I'm learning through this journey that it's not how life is. (laughs) We live in, we live in the millions and millions of shades of gray. It's never black and white. And how do we be able to, to get comfortable with the uncomfortable? Because I am not, I've never been more uncomfortable when some than when something doesn't fit into a perfect little box and it's all wrapped up in a bow for me. I love being able to. That's why I I think I went into this world in the first place. I like numbers. I like think making sure that things check. I like Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> not too much. I'm not that crazy, but I like to know that things kind of balance and things make sense. And unfortunately, life isn't that way. Yeah, I think you know a practice that I've started the last couple of years is being practicing because it's a practice practicing being uncomfortable in shameful situations or being uncomfortable Mm. in fearful situations or being uncomfortable that you don't fit in the box just practice practice being uncomfortable and let yourself be uncomfortable being uncomfortable is not a bad thing it's usually telling you something it doesn't have to be a bad thing sometimes uncomfortable is like hey you need to you need to change there might be something better for you or um, whatever it might be. So I love the art of just 
practicing. Like I'm just practicing it. You know, it's not something I have to have mastered. I'm never going to be great at being uncomfortable, but let me just practice it and see if like it's survivable. Like I could be uncomfortable today and I could survive it and it could be just fine. And it doesn't have to be disastrous to, to me or to my money or whatever it might be. And I'm not going to do it perfectly and that's okay. Yeah. That's a way of working through the fear, right? It's like, what's the kind of, what's the therapy where if you are like terrified of spiders, somebody just puts you in a room with spiders. What it's called some, it's, it's some, there's a name for like it. Like exposure, but, exposure therapy yeah, I think or that's something it. like that. I yeah. think that's it. But it's doing that in a way where, you know, you're kind of easing your way into that. Right. And, uh, but forcing yourself to be in that situation because you can't live in fear your whole life. Right. And whether, it, whatever that is, you know, I'm not talking about being in a room full of spiders. I'm talking about, you know, being in a situation where maybe you care what people think of you and putting yourself out there so that you kind of work, move through that or, or whatever it is. I mean, there's so many reasons why we, um, why our behaviors are the way are what they are right. Or around our money decisions or, you know, even simple things like checking your bank account, like, (laughs) okay, maybe today we just get the login credential and then we find like if it, whatever it is, it's like kind of like basic way of, of starting to make progress. And we all, again, this isn't something that I think can be taught. I think this is just, it's, it's your own inner work and it's something that you have to be motivated enough internally to want to do. And just be, be gentle with yourself. Be easy. Yeah. Easier said than done sometimes, but agree. A hundred percent. I know. I know. What are some of your kind of biggest money lessons I think that you've had to learn as part of this, as part of your process? Like what is there, is there something that you have, um, like something that's glaring around this and it, it could be money or it could be even just personal, right. Of like, like a big lesson. And maybe that, maybe it is what you just said, being gentle on yourself, but is there something that you like some piece of advice that you either give your clients or you would want to leave the listeners with around that? I, um, I also come from a, um, a story and a belief of perfectionism that Mm. you have to be the best at everything. And if you're not the best, then just move out of the way, like second, third, fourth down the line, not important. And so that's been really difficult for me, particularly on my journey, money journey. It's been very difficult because, you know, I don't fit in the, the typical boxes. I, don't always have the exact amount of money in my emergency fund all of mm-hmm. the time because money ebbs and flows. And I've had to make choices sometimes around money that I didn't really want to make that maybe, you know, textbook aren't the best choices, but it's just what I've, what I've needed to do from time yeah. to time. Yeah. And so for me, it's letting go of this inner monologue of you're a failure. Yeah. And letting go of of that because I'm like, who am I a failure to? Nobody. I mean, there's nobody that I'm who am I failing? Like, I know. Yeah, I'm not I failing know. actually anybody. And I am actually doing well. And I do actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> and um, you know, it's just it's reminding myself that this this isn't a pass or fail. Um, your money journey is not, you know, you get an A or an F. That those aren't the choices. And so allowing myself to exist, like you say, in what we all do in a gray area, we just don't talk about it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that's the most important lesson 
um, besides giving yourself grace, it's all kind of tied together, but it is, yeah. you know, allowing yourself to be okay with whatever the journeys looked like, whatever the money looks like, whatever, wherever you're at, let that just be okay. You yeah. know, because it, it, it really is. I love it. I love the way you said it too. Do you ever think, this is what I do sometimes. I think when I get into that same kind of mindset, because what you just said is so universal. I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, I can, I think 99% of us go through that exact same feeling. Like I made a mistake. I am a failure and I can't do anything right in this world. Right. And do you ever just kind of take a second step in like, you know, slow down, step outside of yourself for a minute and just think like, well, what is the, if this is what I think of myself, what does somebody from the outside looking in think of me? Cause I bet you, they don't think that you are the failure that you think you are. That helps me a lot anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think about that often. And then immediately my, my, my cynical side goes to, well, they don't know all the details. Exactly. <laughs> And so I'm like, wait, 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 no. You're playing devil's advocate with yes. yourself right now. You can't do that. Yes. Yeah. You really are your own own worst enemy for sure. I know. I know. But you, you, you're like, exactly. But they don't really know how much of a screw up I am. And But again, you know, that's just a fruitless effort. You're just arguing with yourself here to try to prove. And it's funny. I I, I was, this came up because I was doing an episode on um, confirmation bias the other day and as humans, we just want to be right. Like we crave being right. It's like there's thousand percent. In, it's this internal, I think, again, fight or flight thing that goes back to caveman times. And we want to be right, even if what we're right about is not a good thing. So we want to be able to prove to ourselves that that person who thinks, who may think that maybe we are doing a good job. Nope, they're wrong. I'm right. I'm doing a terrible job. But then you think, like, what's the point of all of this? To prove to myself that I'm a terrible person? I mean, it's not worth the energy <laughs> at the end of the day. I, I agree. I mean, I yeah, I, I totally fall into that um, category, you know, of, of wanting to be right. I'm like, why, why do I, why do I need to be right? And what is right? Who defined what is right? Exactly. And so I think, you know, like podcasts like yours, I love that you're, you're challenging these, these norms and these things that feel like these big, you know, monoliths kind of out in, in society that we just all bump up against. And then we have to sit and question. And I tell people all the time that like the best thing that you can do for yourself is ask, ask yourself questions what does happiness look like for me? Yeah. What do I actually want in life? What is the relationship I want to have with money? Because you actually get to decide those things. Yeah. And that's, I think, empowering and brings you back into a place that regardless of the numbers, you feel like you, you know, you've got an answer to some of these questions. You're not just sort of letting life dictate it to you. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's the empowerment piece, right? You are in control. We think we're not, we think we're victims sometimes of our circumstances and our situations, but we are actually in control. And even if that's as simple as just a mindset shift, right? It makes it makes all the difference. I mean, you see examples of that everywhere on the street all the time. People who, you know, maybe in the worst situations that or we think situations that we would deem as as the worst situations, and they have a a, a positive mindset around it. And that's really incredible. And I think that's what, that's all it is. is just knowing that there are things that you can control on a daily basis. There are lots of things you can't, but there's a few things you can. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation, Shauna. Thank you so much. Um, as we start to wrap up, I would love to have you tell everybody more about how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing. Yeah, you can tune into my podcast, Everyone's Talking Money, and the podcast player you're listening to this episode right now or any podcast player. We have over a thousand episodes, so there is something there for everyone. You can head to my website, everyone's talking, T-A-L-K-I-N, money.com. We've got some fun freebies there and um, you can stay in the loop of kind of the exciting things that we're going to be rolling out over the next uh, couple of months. Yeah. Well, the podcast is awesome. I, I'm, a, I'm a listener. I'm a fan. And I think you're doing an amazing job. And the conversations that you're having and, and the work that you're putting out there into the world is is so important. So everybody, I second that. Everybody's got to go listen to it. So thank you again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you.